This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of The Perilous Fight, Overcoming Our Culture's War on the American Family, written and narrated by retired neurosurgeon and politician Dr. Ben Carson. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic. Hey, everybody. I'm your host, Tyler Burns, and I had so much fun listening in on Dr. Jamar Tisby's conversation with our very own Bria Perry here at The Witness. So I decided I was going to hop in and we're going to pick up right where they left off of part two of this conversation about church in 2022. I hope you enjoy it. So I kind of feel like I, I want to have like a part two of this conversation, which is the tension between you know, all these things that you're talking about, which is kind of the ethos of and the ethics of black church, but then also now like not just orthodoxy and like the things that we value and say, but also like modernity. Like I would love to have this conversation about, it feels like a lot of churches can't keep up with modernity, but it feels like what Gen Z is saying is, or some people within Gen Z are pushing for more modernity. Others are not. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'd love to hear, like, how do you process that, like, the modernization of the the faith? Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think the question you're asking is modernity as far as culture, the culture of the church and how we do worship and what kind of songs we sing and what we wear to church and uh, what the building looks like. Do we have, do we turn a warehouse into a sanctuary or do we have mm-hmm. the traditional, mm-hmm. like, steeple type church? Um, and I think I see, I guess if you can go with the two poles of, we want modern culture, maybe modern theology, um, a, the- a theological shift that kind of keeps up with the times, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still, I mean, if you really dig deep into it, what people are calling modern theology is really just the same kind of traditional um, theologically right. conservative views just repackaged and, right. you know, make it look prettier and, and sell it to, you know, Gen Z in our language and, um, and the things that wear the things that we wear and say, use our language to, to kind of package the same views that, you right. know, you grew up with. But then on the other hand, there's people, people are asking, or maybe not asking, but really imagining, Okay, what if we went back to the traditional storefront church, uh, you know, pews and whatever? We can we can keep all that. We can go back to singing hymns and we can go back mm-hmm. to all this all these different yeah. things, but have radical theological shifts hmm. that underpin that underpin hmm. that because people are saying that the problem wasn't the culture of the the question of what we're singing and do we sing old church hymns or do we sing Ty Tribbett or do we sing Maverick City Music or do we sing, you know, Ricky Dillard? Mm-hmm. Um, that isn't the issue. The issue is, um, can I be, can I come to this church and be my full self right. with all of my doubts right. and all of my questions and all of my, um, yeah. yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think, I think, um, I was having this conversation with somebody recently and they were talking about a certain organization, which I won't name, but a certain organization 
and they were like, oh, yeah, um, I was asking about them. And then they said, um, I was asking about this, this, this group and it seems like they believe some cool things and it seems like, you know, they have great marketing and, you know, it seems like they're very compassionate and all this. And I was like, yeah. And I said, they're kind of like slick fundamentalists. Mm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're really compassionate fundamentalists. Like, or at least thinking that they're compassionate, but they're fundamentalists. Like, there's just, they're like modern fundamentalists. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's not really anything different than fundamentalism. It's just, it looks different and better than what it did before. Yeah. Did that and, surprise them when you said that? Yes. And I think that made me ask the question, okay, so people talk about modernizing church and faith expression. And so when we talk about the things that we keep, the things that we add, the things that we hold on to, the things that we let go of, what is what does modern what role does modernity play in this conversation? Mm. So this is what led me to thinking about this. Recently there was a there was a Stellar Awards. Stellar oh, yes. Awards happened mm-hmm. and I did not get a chance to watch it. Yeah. Normally because the Stellar Awards play on delay. So the Stellar Awards happen, then they play two weeks later. So there's no um confusion about who wins. There's no there's no mystery or secrecy. Mm. You know the winners beforehand. So typically I like to see the winners or what have you. And so I typically don't watch it readily and immediately. But there was a conversation around a gospel music legend named Ernest Pugh. And Ernest Pugh, who sings Rain Rain on Us and a mm-hmm. uh, couple other songs that you would know that you would sing. Um, he said, I feel like entertainment and industry have taken over ministry. And he was talking about in gospel music in particular. So there's a lot of things that could be read into that. Some people read it as, oh, he's talking about hip hop. You know, other people said, oh, he's talking about, you know, modern, more modern gospel. Other people talk about these. He's saying choreography in the Stellar Awards. But then when he was interviewed, he said, you know, this is our night to showcase the best of gospel music. That's what we say this is, the best of gospel music. So if it is truly the best of gospel music, and a representation of gospel music. Why don't we have something traditional, some quartet? Yeah, you can have some new school stuff, but why don't we have like the the panorama of all the gospel of all of gospel music and our roots? Because I feel like we're getting away from that. It's it's escaping us. And if we don't have that, then we'll actually be the next generation and those who come behind us won't know what gospel music actually is. Mm. Now there's a level to that of gatekeeping, right? So there's a level right. of gatekeeping. That's what is gospel there, music? <laughs> right. Like what is gospel music and what's the reality and, and who gets to determine that? Right. Um, is it just you? <laughs> is it just your generation? Because gospel music kind of became more prominent, but then also there's a level of, is there, is there, how much is modernity playing a role into these conversations? Because I know that for some people in Gen Z, when I have the conversation with them, they're like, man, it doesn't really matter about all this stuff. Like the, the trappings and the tech, like it's not that important. It's not that big of a deal. And I'm like, really though? Like, are you, are you sure? Like, are you sure? Like, so if your church was not streaming, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. So if your church was not online, if your church had no social media, Mm-hmm. Are you telling me like no youth like, ministry? Ah, well, you know, it ain't really about all that. I just want to. I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's the case. Yeah, let's let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, I think that will probably bother you. That will probably affect how you experience, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, the, the church that you attend, that probably affect the access that you have. So part of me is like, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but then I think the, the message in it is we don't want the church to look good as much as we want the church to really exhibit what good is in the world. Right. Exactly. And I think that, I think what a lot of people are saying is we don't want to be pandered to. Hmm. Like you really don't have to dress like us. You don't have to use our language. You don't have to, and I, I say our language, of course it, you know, it is different in different pockets of, you know, whatever. Um, but I would say that some people do feel like we're being pandered to. Hmm. Um, what does that, what does that look like in particular? I would love to hear and not, not necessarily saying that every church that has done every one of these things has pandered to you or what have you. Yeah. But what are some of the things that you see that are triggers for you? You talked about this in, you know, TikTok, pastors of TikTok generation on the witness. Mm -hmm. We had you on the show and you talked about certain things. What are things that just stick out in your life? Red flag. (laughs) Uh, I think one of the first things is, trying to uh, looking like you're trying too hard to keep up with the culture and give your opinion on. And I mean, we talked about this a little bit before where um, I think specifically in a sermonic situation, uh, you know, the sermon looks like a 30 minute rant on why Christians shouldn't be listening to Renaissance, right. you know, oh, by yeah, Beyonce. Of, you know. <laughs> of course. There's a whole thing. We ain't got to get into that, but no, we will get into that. We will. <laughs> of course we will. Of course. I shouldn't even say anything, but of course, we're still going to get into it. Of course. We will, Bishop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, but yeah, so I think there's there's an aspect of culture war fighting mm-hmm. and it's not really about... And there, this, this is also... There's a question here, too, of biblical literacy of... Um, you know, what does discipleship, does discipleship look like? And for many people, maybe not many, but for some people, discipleship looks like talking about cultural issues mm. and giving your opinion and then maybe putting a little Bible verse spin on it and, and mm-hmm. trying to figure out what verses support what opinion you have on this cultural war issue. Um, but there, there's a lack of feel of feeling like there's a true discipleship of like, mm. how are you the, the whole follow me as I follow Christ, you know, attitude of right. how am I being led into Christ likeness? Mm. Um, so yeah, I think there's that. And then there's the technological aspect. And I think that you, you, you make a good point of, we say that we, some people say that they don't need, you know, all of the lights and the, the, the fog need, machines. We don't need and fog. The, we don't need lasers. <laughs> we don't need. Yeah. And the, the, I think there's an aspect of truth to that, but there's also, I, I do think there's, okay, let's be honest. Like we do enjoy having that as a part of our service. There's an aspect of truth where, um, it feels like when you have all of those elements, it can feel like we're, we're performing and trying hmm. to manufacture a move of the spirit. Huh. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes like you know, I, I could be a church in a church and 
you know, the fog machines are going, the lights are low, maybe you have the stage, the, the blue and the purple, you know, mood lighting set, and you've got the mood piano going or whatever, and it's like, after church, you're like, wow, I really felt the spirit in that service, right. and it was like, did you feel the you spirit? Felt the pad, or the, like you the, <laughs> the, the keyboard is using the pad. Right. Like, mm-hmm. Or was the fog machine suffocating you? Right. <laughs> like, um, you fell because you were choking on, <laughs> on the smoke, not because it was spirit. You were depending on God for literal oxygen. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. And so there's a sense of wanting to move away from that performance element. Yeah. and trying to figure out what does a real move of the spirit actually look like. That's really good. I think beyond that, your conversation with Jamar, what I loved about what you said was challenging some of church cliches, which I think we're all guilty of. And I think one of the things that I've seen, I've tried to step away from as much as possible, but honestly, it's hard sometimes because you really genuinely feel like God moved. But there are times where I feel like it's programmed in where we say, you know, church is awesome. Mm-hmm. And so we hype church up. Mm-hmm. The church is awesome. It's just so awesome. You, it's like, well, I mean, every Sunday? Right. I mean, I, I'm a pastor. Man. Church is not awesome every Sunday. <laughs> like, it is absolutely 100% not awesome every Sunday. There are problems. You know, there are things that don't go right. There's the sermon didn't hit. Like the music was like, off. We might have. Like, we were we were bored this Sunday. I'm. We were, oh well. We were bored and boring. You yeah, know, we had an yeah. idea that we tried and it didn't. It fell flat. Mm-hmm. Church isn't always going to be awesome. I don't want. I don't want you all to think that. And I also don't want to think that it feels condescending for us to believe that to reach you, we have to convince you that church is awesome when you can clearly tell it's not every Sunday. Right. And so I think there's like a level of. Well, that's not really what church has to be per se, but, you know, maybe if churches is consistently forming us into Christ, consistently striving to get as close as possible to excellence, and then consistently caring about the community beyond the church Mm -hmm. in the neighborhood where the church is planted, I feel like that might be a better standard than, oh, well, church was awesome. Right. And I actually think that's very Eurocentric. Mm, I think we learned that from our evangelical neighbors who taught us something about marketing to secret sensitivity in our marketing. Mm. And they told us that Mm. if you're going to have a, so then prominent black churches in order to catch up, copied them. And I don't think that was the history of black church. Black church has not historically been awesome. Yeah, <laughs> like it's just—it's just not historically. And you think awesome about how it was formed, <laughs> the conditions that, uh, like, <laughs> especially like even 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 like Black Baptist settings, because most people associate Black church with like Black Baptist settings. Mm-hmm. The deacons got up and did devotions, right? <laughs> it's not awesome. Like devotions are not dope. <laughs> like they're just—can we be honest? Like devotions are not dope. They may have spiritual significance. Right. They may be powerful to, but these these brothers getting up and singing and moaning and and humming and giving a scripture. That's not going. I'm not inviting somebody to hear devotions. <laughs> right. Like, right. Uh, uh, I've I've attended some some Baptist churches recently, just being there speaking and stuff. And I'm like, why do people romanticize like church? This is a decision they made to form the people that they have. Hmm. It is not, oh man, that's, that's why I can't stand when, when, 
can't stand when people are like, oh yeah, I just need to go to a black church. It's like, you're going to go in there and not understand and you're not going to ask. You're just going to be like, oh, I'm gone. You know, this mm. went three hours, you know. Oh, well, they did devotional. I don't understand that. I don't know these songs. Right. It was really loud. Service, what is that? What is testimony? I don't want to talk. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't single me out. And I'm like, so don't make, I think it's a Eurocentric, white evangelical, uh, modern church planting movement <laughs> mm. idea that says church is just, it's, it was cr- amazing. Mm. It was awesome. What just happened? Well, what just happened? What do you mean? What, what did just happen? <laughs> I don't know. You know. So why do you think? Why do you think there's what? What's the motivation behind wanting to emulate those? That's a great question. Those qualities. That's a great question. I don't know. I don't mean to ascribe motives, but I think sometimes people do it. One of the things I'm seeing as churches, it feels like you have to play the game to stay relevant. And to stay in conversation. Mm. Because if you don't play that game, it feels like you're outside of an opportunity to get more people to come into your church. Mm. That's just how people are thinking about it. Now, I would argue that that mentality that you have to play that game and you have to be a part of that actually relates more to Christians leaving some churches and going to other churches. It doesn't lead to new converts often. I think it leads to sheep swapping. But what I would say is I think there's a lot of pressure that pastors feel and leaders feel to keep up. But my thing is, it's just unrealistic and it's right. not true. We don't have the, those resources. Um, very few churches do. And, and those resources that we are spending on those things could probably be used for more important, more impactful things. And then if you think about it, church planting in general and, you know, relaunching church, cause I've, I've done it recently. That thing is expensive. Very, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to talk a little bit more about this after the break, but I, it's just, it made me realize a lot of things and it made me say, are we really, are we really handcuffing ourselves to this concept and Gen Z's not even really going to be moved by it? Mm. It's just going to be something that we do because we want to get people who are disgruntled with their church to come to our church mm-hmm. anyway more more on this after the break <laughs> hey everybody this is tyler this is dr jamar tisby and we are excited that you're listening to this episode of pastor mike but let me encourage you to support us you can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash pastor mike and for just one dollar an episode just a dollar now that's the bare minimum that's four quarters but if you want to go higher okay, 5, go 10, higher. 15, 20, right. 25 whatever it is that will keep this show going and keep the high quality that hopefully you enjoy so thank you for listening but you can take it to the next level patreon.com slash pastor mike we appreciate you So we're continuing this conversation that Jamar and Bria had. I hopped in on the conversation and I was like, yo, we need to keep talking about this. I have so many more questions and thoughts. And, you know, we've been talking about the modernization of church. First of all, you and Jamar had this really great conversation about church community. What does church look like? What do we keep? What do we let go of? And, you know, it's very interesting to me. And I'll say this, and I want to get your thoughts just on church in general. But I will say it's very interesting to me, like, when I relaunched our church, 
I found a very interesting phenomenon, mm. which is that it seems like everything costs so much to be a modern church. Mm. It costs so much. And it made me ask the question, I don't think this is for us. Like, I just don't feel like this is for us and the I mean, type of church I want to build. There's everything from kids, men, to streaming stuff, to cameras, to worship. licensing, worship, yeah. to, and at a certain point, signage, to portable church stuff. Hmm. I was like, why does this cost so much? Yeah. Yeah. And I started asking the question, okay, so are we just funding industry here? Are we just funding a whole church planning? Oh, oh, sorry. Are we just funding? <laughs> sorry. I'm going to get in trouble for this. Are we just funding a whole, are we just funding a whole situation here? Because I'm like, why do I have to go to this company? Mm. This company is going to cost X thousands of dollars. And I'm, I'm not spending this. Like, why would I spend this? When we have, we have real needs in our community and we actually want to come together and like pour into community, pour into our teachers, pour into our community residents who are homeless, pour into, like, why would we spend money on, like, a really dope setup, and that's going to cost us $60,000? Right. Why would I do this? And I'm like, does Gen Z even care? No, you're asking the essential questions, because it's like, and, and it's not even going from having absolutely nothing to trying to go to this dope setup. It's like, we what we have works. We have working technology, yes. you know, yes. but do you need to go from the 700 inch to the 1,000 inch, <laughs> you know, screen? Why do we know. need an LED wall? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, mean, I don't, I, why do we need that? Yeah. And it's not, and again, like I'm a pastor, so I know that certain things look a certain way and I'd love to continue modernizing our church. We've had these conversations. There's some things I don't feel like we do well that we have to improve. There's some shifts in streaming. There's some shifts in all kinds of things that I really love to encounter. But at a certain point, I had to pause myself and say, why do I feel this pressure to chase after this? Because this curriculum is $3,000 a year. This subscription to this video library is $2,000 a year. Mm-hmm. This portable church setup is $60,000. This signage is $10,000. I'm like, this is bad stewardship. <laughs> yeah. I'm spending $100,000 on signs. Because even if you do care, it's like you get the bright and shiny newness and it's cool for like two months. And then it's like, okay, I forgot it was there. And we could have spent that 20K on taking care of the teacher who needs See. materials okay. for their classroom. See. Okay. This is very this is very helpful. This is this is very helpful. Yeah. Can we talk about another element of this? I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Can you talk talk about worship? Okay. What about? And I think most people assume that if you're going to have a modern church, you need amazing worship mm. to capture people's attention. Mm. And there's such a pressure to like have amazing worship and if 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 you are going to be considered whatever, I, I don't know what you'd be considered, but if you're going to be considered whatever that may be, you need to have amazing worship. And that's where you spend money and that's where you – what do you think about that? Like do we have to have Maverick City style worship? Do we have to have – like like does that even matter? Do we have to be like Ty Tribbett? Right. Do we have where to – Where everybody's on theme. Have, 
you got plaid. Yeah, do we have to have like transformation church type worship? Like yeah. what do we what do you think about kind of worship culture? And what does is any of it off put you or what resonates with you? Well, I think it it goes back again to the manufacturing a move of a spirit. It's like are we de- we're depending on there's the question of are we depending on the music to do all of the work hmm. of um transformation and then how do you know that it's having a transforming impact is it because people are having an emotional experience and an emotional um yeah. you know they're falling to their knees and you know they're crying and they're you know doing all of the things and not to say that the emotional response is not important. I mean, I'm Pentecostal to my bones. Come on, so come on now. <laughs> look, all of the gifts of the spirit, all of the oh, the, all the of bodily it. worship yes. and engaging your entire body in the worship experience. The ghost. Yeah. Okay. The ghost. <laughs> Fire baptized. <laughs> <laughs> Fire. Um, you know, all of that is important to me. Um, but there is I think that's where we get into, are we depending on ourselves to do things that the spirit is supposed to do? Like our assignment is to worship to the best of our ability, steward resources well, um, as you were saying, uh, to, you know, take care of the, what, just what happens on a Sunday morning Mm -hmm. um, and just really be wise about, you know, all of that. But the spirit work, is the spirit. Right. Like that's the spirit's right. job. Um, and so you can have the most amazing voices and the most modern songs and you can have the themes and you can have the, you know, whatever. And still no one in the same, no one in the congregation is transformed by the right. worship experience right. because you focus so much on the looks and the aesthetic right. um, that the actual, you know, spirit work, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I'll be honest. Like, if somebody starts singing flat or sharp, oh yeah, I might, you I might are, get you taken out like, spirit. You're gonna pull out your phone. You're gonna, like, <laughs> right. you're gonna have one hand up, and then you go have the camera like right, filming. Like, you going viral on TikTok the next day? I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm just sorry. Church of laugh, you know, <laughs> all of them. Um, and so yeah, see, that's the thing. See, I don't want, but I don't want to be on Church of laugh. <laughs> At least not for that reason. Right, not for that reason. Like, if if I say something wild, like, okay, put me on Church of Laugh. But I don't want to be on Church of Laugh for, like, having, you know, music that ain't good. You know what I'm saying? But at this, I feel like there's, like, a level of we care too much about how things look. I think we actually care more about looks than y'all do, Gen Z. Mm. I think we care too much. Really? I think we care more than y'all. I do think how we so? do. I think... We are more concerned with, here's what I found as a pastor. In 2022, the pastor's number one audience is often other pastors. Mm, mm. Yep, you get into it. I think pastors mm-hmm. are preaching, leading, constructing, building to impress other pastors. Wow. I think that's what's going on. And I think that's what frustrates me mm-hmm. because it's so easy to fall into that trap. But I think pastors are, are building churches that are impressive to pastors. That's why they don't resonate with people anymore. 
Mm. And there, there's so much ego work that's got to be done to break that, I guess. So Where? much. And, and I think it's got to start with a deep repentance. Mm. A deep repentance. Because we are, we are guilty of missing. You know, you were talking about those without addresses. And I think that just resonated so much with me because I, I'm in an area where there's so many people who do not have a physical address and they walk in and they, you know, and they, they sit in the back and they're part of church and they're, you know, and I just think about how church is so distant for them. There's, you know, We've had situations where people came in high or, you know, inebriated. We had to kind of be like, okay, well, you can't like be all up in people's face. We still in a panoramic, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a security issue. issue. Like you can't just be up at the front and just be out of control because like, you know, if you rush the stage, you know, who knows what my wife is up there? Who knows what I'm going to do? You know, (laughs) so let me just not, you know, so, but. I feel like just people coming in and just saying, I'm just struggling. I don't have any hope. I'm I'm hot. I'm tired. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. And I don't have any clothes. I don't look right. Yeah. I'm, I don't have my Sunday's best. But maybe this can encourage me. And beyond just encouragement, maybe someone will do something good to me and give me a meal. Yeah. Or give me a, a cup of water. Yeah. Or, and I'm like, that's way more important than, man, if I, if we post on IG and it looks dope, cool. If we post on IG and it doesn't look dope, is it really that? Right. Is it really the end of, of the world that that didn't happen if this fundamental thing doesn't happen? It's even more important than, you know, that really hard to impress or please member who was like, Pastor, your sermon didn't hit this Sunday. And every Sunday he's coming back and he's saying, Pastor, you're, you're saying, you're starting, it's just not hitting. Like you're not saying nothing. It's like, it's even more important than that. Like that, exactly. that is, that is where the real faith work yeah. is, 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 is done. It's like, how are we meeting people's not just spiritual, but material needs hmm. with the, with the, what, the resources that we have that God has blessed us with? Yeah. If you say that we're blessed to be a blessing, that doesn't just mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a business owner and I've got all these, you know, nice business tips. And so as a Christian, I can give you some tips to build your business as a Christian or whatever. It's like, right. how are we, I mean, we talked about this in me and Jamar, uh, in Jamar's conversation. It's like, how are we redistributing our wealth and our resources? If we know mm. that we have been blessed by the God of that owns the cattle on a thousand hills and a houseless yeah. person comes in, it's like, they should have a, there should be such a trust in the church community that right. a houseless person could come in and know that they're going to be taken care of. Hmm. Yes. And that's just on the yeah. whole, I don't think that that's the image that people have of. Well, it's not the conversation we're having behind the scenes. You know, right. <laughs> I mean, the right. conversation we're having behind the scenes is, you know, you know, how do you do multi-site well? And how do you, you know, yeah. how do you reach your online congregation, which is important. But like, you know, it's it's more of, you know, we were having this conversation recently and I don't mean it like it's going to sound because I don't think it's not important. But we were having this conversation recently in a group of pastors about the metaverse mm. and church in the metaverse and things like that. And I was sitting back, I was like, yeah, at a certain point, 
And I was thinking in my head, like, I could be wrong on this, but at a certain point, this becomes a little bit like cart before horse, because I feel like if we're able to have the resources to get into the metaverse and actually provide light and hope for people, mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing. I think Absolutely. those aren't those aren't bad things, but it's kind of unrealistic for my church of 150 to be like, let's go to the metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, if you have people I'm within your before you crawl, <laughs> right? Like, well, if you have people within your church who are present there, and then that's a pressing need. Okay, great. Yeah, but I think maybe the more pressing need would be like houseless people around us. That might be more pressing. Yeah, I feel like, and so it just it felt like there was a level of, and it part of it, I I I thought about what bothered me most about it, and it wasn't as much the money as it was the church's constant push towards claiming territory. Mm. And the church always wants to reclaim territory. Mm. I think that's, there's a, when you're talking about the information economy and the attention economy, I think there's, some people, some churches, some church leaders feel that to be a good or to be a faithful, someone who is faithful to the Christian call in this kind of attention economy where everybody is competing for everybody else's attention, we have to take up space in hmm. yeah. wherever people's attention yeah, is absolutely. most. Yeah. And that's that's what leads to the whole you know, sermonic culture, 30, 30 minute, you know, rants. It's like mm-hmm. people's attention is on this thing that's happening in the culture. So let's try to use that to connect yeah. to, you know, that's so much pressure. Yeah. You know, honestly, like I, I think a lot of people and a lot of really, really good communicators don't communicate well in a 30 second clip. They don't come across well in a 30 right. second clip mm-hmm. or a 45 second reel. And I think that's okay. Yeah. And I feel like there has been this push and even, you know, whenever someone does a little clip of me, I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to share this. Man. This is good. Uh, you know, <laughs> I was talking here, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, this is probably unrealistic. I'm probably going to get one or two of those every 10 sermons, maybe. Yeah. I'm probably not going to sound that great. And even I think it might even be more. And I'm not saying these things are bad. Like, I think they're very good. But like at a certain point, like I'm like, if I pull this out of context, even if it sounds good, that might be bad because they actually probably need to hear the full context before they can actually. Right. And who and how many people are actually going to go? Yeah, and, and listen and, to. And, and oh, listen let me to, let me listen. Yeah, right. Let me listen to old Burns. It sounds like he was saying something. You know, let me hear He's the pericope. Yeah, you know, yeah. this is this is a good exegesis right here. No, <laughs> likely not. Yeah. You know, and I think what I hope in the midst of this is. That people hear not that modernization is bad and not that, oh, we're going to modernize and streaming tech, worship, preaching for Gen Z. Here's what I hope. I hope people hear that that's not the only space worth occupying. Mm. Mm. It's not the only space worth occupying. That there's other spaces you can be. And that'd be beautiful. Be beautiful if your if your church came together and said, "We want to make our church one of our tenets and our values is we're friendly for those without addresses." 
You know, we're friendly for those who don't have a house. That's amazing. The son of man who didn't have a place to lay his head. Would the son of man who didn't have a place to lay his head feel welcomed in your church? Oof. Wow. Would he have his needs met? Wow. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. That's heavy. Um, that's powerful. That's powerful. And that's a space worth occupying. And that's good church. Yeah. And I think what what's important is is when you think about the work of the spirit and the gospel is like, what can God do with what's, of course, what can God do with what's in your hands? And maybe it's not, um, you know, you want to steward your resources well and the things that like, we have this resource of the metaverse, metaverse, we have this resource of, you know, whatever. And I guess you don't, you don't want to squander what potential there could be there. I I get that. Um, But at some point, I think we have to trust that um, the move of the spirit doesn't depend on us getting these things perfect and correct. Yes. Move of the spirit doesn't depend on, you know, that 30 second clip that can go viral on TikTok or Instagram reels. And it's like, at what, at what point do you, are you demonstrating a miss, a distrust of what God can do with, you know, what you're doing and what you're using? And I think at a certain point, how do you, do you step back and say, all right, if I have the resources to do what I, what God has called me to do well and be in the metaverse, and I feel like God is expanding, you know, kind of where he's, he's calling me and pulling me to, okay, cool. Well, you know, that's healthy. Um, and that's a potential resource that's good that comes of that. Absolutely. But at a certain point, if you're already on limited resources, use them wisely. I think that resonates with Gen Z. Mm-hmm. I think caring about the community resonates with, with Gen Z. Yes. Being present in the community, even if you're not able to have thousands upon thousands of dollars to give, you're present. And that resonates with Gen Z um, and millennials even. Just steward what you have well and be okay with that. And be okay with not being impressive to other pastors. I think that's, and other churches, that's just really important because there seems to be this hierarchy that we're setting with, oh, well, this is the church, you know, and this church is really doing it in this area. If you want to do do it like them. Right. It's like, well, I I don't know. I don't have the resources they have. And maybe God, I don't have the capacity that they have. Maybe God hasn't called me to that. And if I'm actually serving the people that come into my church, let me actually serve those people and people who are going to come um, as a result of them inviting or those who are going to come in from off the street or whatever it may be. Let me serve everybody that comes in and care more about that than reaching some yeah. goal. And offer a word of hope because we are, once again, because we are in you know the information digital age, we're so enamored with the bad news of the day and we're enamored with everything that's happening everywhere and of course again it's so crushing and you you that that those kinds of things consume your thoughts and consume your day on, on top of what you're dealing with in your own life yes. and in your own communities yes. and families and and churches and things like that offer a word of hope in a time of darkness that's the work amen. that's ministry amen
Amen. This has been good, Bria. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Pass. You stayed over another episode. <laughs> you like, give me, give me out of this studio. Give me I'm out of this. Give me off this mic. <laughs> I don't, don't, I don't want no more Gen Z questions. No more. Please. <laughs> Can I go? You gone. You gone. You gone. Okay. <laughs> no, this has been a joy. I love talking to you, Tyler. Of course. Love working with you, obviously. Fam. Witness fam. Witness, Witness fam. fam. Gang, what gang, I, gang. What I just, what I just. <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> if you're watching on Patreon. <laughs> He out here throwing up gang signs. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> it's no, new church. No, it's the no. work. It's the work. <laughs> Help us, Holy Ghost. Nah, we out. We out. Thank you, Bria. I appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks, y'all. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.